Righteous, ratchet, real. Real, real. Righteous, ratchet, real. Righteous, ratchet, real. Righteous, ratchet, real. Real, Righteous, ratchet, and real. Real, real. I feel exposed. Okay. Welcome to the Righteous, Ratchet, and Real podcast. This podcast is for people who love God, but sometimes side-eye the church. We're three friends balancing the secular and sacred, the righteous and ratchet, as we discuss current topics through a gospel lens. We might say some things we're not supposed to. But you are probably thinking it anyway. You know how we say in the church. Charge to our head and not our heart. We're going to keep it real. Hey, good people, and welcome back to the Righteous, Ratchet, and Real podcast. It's me, Rane, here with my two vivacious co-hosts. Talk to them, folks. Hey, everybody, it's Greta. Hey, y'all, it's Keisha. And today we're continuing our series on boundaries, but we're shifting gears and we're talking about what it's like to negotiate and renegotiate boundaries with our parents. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh. So let me tell you a little story. So in uh, 2020, uh, my husband and I were were having a conversation. Um, You know, my parents are divorced. My parents, shout out to Hazel and Jerry, they're divorced, they've been divorced a long, long time and they're getting older. Um, And so my mother, Hazel, she, was approaching retirement and she got priced out of the market. Now we live in the Bay area and anybody that knows anything about the Bay area, our housing costs are bananas. She was living in a two bedroom apartment paying about $14 a month. And um, over the course of about five or six years that she lived there, the landlord wanted to raise the rent to the current market value, which was about $2,300. Now that's, that's huge. She was living alone. Um, like I said, approaching retirement. So she was getting her income, you know, kind of, you know, preparing for, to, for her to be on a fixed income. Mm-hmm. And so she said, well, let me just see, you know, and she decided to move out of the Bay area. She moved about 90 minutes away uh, to a place called Turlock, California, way out in the boonies. Um, so My mom, unfortunately, has had some health issues over the years, and I really didn't like having her so far away. You know, I just wasn't comfortable with it. Um, And then the pandemic came. Mm -hmm. So it just really drove home the point of, you know what, she needs to be closer to us. So one day, uh, my husband and I were out in the backyard, and he just starts talking. He was like, you know what, what if we build a tiny house in the yard and have your mom come live here? And I was like, what? Wait a minute, what? So he had this brilliant idea and that started us on our odyssey of building a tiny house. And if you want to see how we built our tiny house, you can go to my YouTube page, Rev Rane, and find the video of how we built it there. But the point is, is that she's been living in our little, her little tiny house in our backyard for seven months now. And it is so interesting being 50 years old, right? And Um, I left home at 17 and I've never lived with my mom since then. So now at 50, 
you know, we've had all of these years of living apart and it's way different, child. It's way different. <laughs> it's, it's a whole different animal. I mean, mm -hmm. Archie has been walking around in his robe or less in our kitchen, you know, and my mom is out back in the backyard doing her morning rounds of watering all of the plants in our backyard. And he is like, oh my God, you know, he just has been caught off guard and um, there have been times when we've been chilling in our bedroom, you know, and our kids are off at karate and we're just chilling. And then we hear, hello, hello, coming from inside the house because we forgot to lock the back door. Like, y'all, it's been wild. It's been really wild. <laughs> <laughs> we, we've had to have some, some conversations about navigating um, boundaries all together. So that got me to thinking about how, you know, there are so many people in similar situations. There's this thing called the sandwich generation. And I don't know if y'all have heard that term before, but the Pew Research Center said that in, in 2021, they did a survey and they found that about 23% of adults living in the United States are living in multi-generational households, that means they're either parent, they're parenting um, some children or young adults, and they're caring for their elders at the same mm -hmm. time. Uh, so, you know, the the topic of renegotiating parent-child uh, relationships is is totally relevant. Mm -hmm. And when you think about the fact that student loans has some of our young adults moving back home yeah. in like record numbers, right? That's a conversation that, you know, young adults are having with their parents. I mean, it's it's a trip looking eyeball to eyeball with someone who, you know, may have changed your diapers. But now you're a whole grown, you know, individual with your own ideas you know, about how to live your life. And they still see you as that little toddler, that little baby. So. Y'all tell me, what experiences have you all had about negotiating uh, relationships with your uh, parents or elders in your life as an adult? What kind of experiences have you all had? So for me, you know, I've been <laughs> the young adult who had to move back home because of student loans. Yes. And um, it just made more financial sense. So I have been there where, you know, it's hard to be an adult child you know, living with your parent because they really think that they still have to tell you what to do because they are parenting. And you're like, ma'am, I know that I am here, but I don't need you to tell me what time I should go to bed. Ooh. I don't need you to tell me you're staying out too late, but it's like mothering does not stop. Right. And you're like, mommy, I'm just here. I pay, you know, like to live here, like everybody else. You are my roommate at this point. You are not my mother, you know? Mm -hmm. So, ooh, we that was a black mama that you told your mama that. No, I did that to my mama. I wouldn't have been here. You thought it, but she didn't say it. I, I didn't say it. I did not say that. I did not. I I didn't say it because you know I, I like my teeth. I like my face arranged in the morning. Right. <laughs> I like those things. And right, so, you right. know, I, I knew better than that. But, you know, we had to have a conversation. And so sometimes even now that I moved out, you know, like if we're talking late on the phone, she'll be like, go to bed. I'm like, mommy. And that's usually what I do. I'm like, mommy. <laughs> and so I think that is like her signal, like, okay, you've overstepped the boundaries. And so she just say, well, I think you should go to bed, you know, and that's how she backs up off of it. Um, you know, for me personally, we were talking about this as we were um, getting ready to record. My mom is also aging. And so 
as much as, you know, she wants her independence, she wants to be the person who runs her own life. We've had to renegotiate some of those boundaries in terms of me, you know, taking responsibility when it comes to her health, you know, um, being the one to, to chart everything and just be like, okay, no, no. And she wants to, you know, think she's going to live on her own forever. And we've had that conversation. At least I've started to have the conversation with her, uh, much like you, Rane, that, at some point, I know what you want as your ideal, but we have to consider and start to talk about what does that look like, you know, when you may have to move with me. And so um, that has been a conversation that she fights back on, but just really, you know, she doesn't want me to, to, to tell her what to do with her medications and her doctors and all this stuff. But I'm like, look, ma'am, I'm gonna have to be the parent in this situation. And so I feel like, you know, as we change into being, you know, they say that whole, you're twice a child, once, mm -hmm. uh, um, you know, adult. Yeah. And so that's how I feel with my mom. And it's, it's, you know, difficult for her to relent some of her control mm -hmm. to me. Like, you know, she wants to, but then she's like, mm -mm. I remember us having this conversation. It was so hilarious. Right. Cause we went to the doctor's office and I'm telling her, okay, well, I'm gonna make sure you do this. She's like, who gonna make me? I said, mm -hmm. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> right. So I had to, you know, we had to use, we have to use certain phrases that mm -hmm. make her feel like, you know, you're not trying to mother her yeah, <laughs> you know? right. and yeah. make sure that we're still getting the same outcome, but respecting <laughs> the way that I communicate that information. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. you know, cause black mama is always going to be a black mama. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and the phrase I keep hearing is in, in <laughs> the expectation is that we stay in the child's place. Yeah. Right. Me. But um, I'll say for me, just to say up front, both of my parents are now deceased. So I never really got to do that whole parental negotiation with mm -hmm. them. But I do have an aunt that I kind of am a caregiver for a long distance. And so, um, like you said, Keisha, just, you know, going to her, going with going with her to her doctor's appointments and different treatments and making sure that this is being done. This is being asked uh, all in a respectful way. And we did have a come to Jesus meeting on, on uh, one occasion because she, she said something to me and she said it as though I was a child. And I was like, I had to say, I, I really don't appreciate how you said that to me. And, and, and she apologized and we were good. Um, but yeah, so definitely, you know, that whole, like you said, that that twice a child, once an adult, you see that, you see that. And um, that negotiation is very important. Um those boundaries, we've been talking about boundaries, those boundaries have to be named and set. Uh, so, and, and it's all in that person's best interest, whether it's parent or an elder, like you said, Renee, uh, it's all for their best interest, but sometimes relinquishing that control can be very difficult. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Very right. difficult. Right. Mm -hmm. And just to say, to be on the end of a young adult who moved back home, um, one of the things where we talked about negotiating boundaries, like my mom and I did have to have conversations that talked about what my expectations were for moving mm -hmm. back home and what her expectations were. So what things she's like, you ain't gonna have no, you know, male company spending the night, you know, like that sort of thing. We, and so, you know, <laughs> right. Those are, those are conversations that when we talk about negotiating, 
negotiating and renegotiating your boundaries with your parents that you have to be clear, especially when you are talking about a sandwich generation situation that you have to have a difficult conversation or difficult conversations about what each of your expectations are about living together because bless their hearts. They gonna have their things and you, uh, but you know, you have to fight for yours as well to be oh, yeah. like, okay, I need you to know that, you know, I have been an adult and doing this. So please, you know, let me do this. So there are conversations and it can be difficult um, to have those conversations because they just expect to tell you what to do. And that's it. That's all. And you're like, no, 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 this is, this can't work like that. It, it's, it's going to have to be that we are respectful adults having a conversation conversation, you know, you respect me, me, and I respect you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we experienced that even in the building process for the for the tiny house that, you know, there were times when my mom wanted to just interject uh, when I'm having conversations with our contractors or the architect or what have you. And she wanted to to be the adult. But I was like, I'm already the adult has already showed up. <laughs> I'm already here. Right, right. Yeah. And so we've had to have conversations about that. And that was an unexpected for me as well. Um, but you know, it also got me to thinking about scripture, you know, thinking through this in a in a, a righteous sense. Mm -hmm. Scripture is loud, or at least uh, a black church culture is loud when talking about honoring parents or elders, right? Um, we, we uphold those those scriptures about honoring parents like that is just it, right? Honoring honor your father and mother so that you may live long uh, in the land that your Lord, the Lord your God, is giving you, right? Exodus twenty and twelve, right? That pro that that uh, commandment mm -hmm. is tied to the promise of long life in the land, right? Right, and then that same uh, commandment is repeated again in Ephesians 6, 1 and 3. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Um, but there's a bit of a, a, and I don't want to say change, but there's a bit of a, a different understanding between those um, Old Testament and New Testament scriptures. Uh, because in the Hebrew, it, it's it's honoring your father and mother, right? Mm -hmm. Honor is kabod in, in Hebrew, which translates to make heavy or to make rich. Mm -hmm. So in the Exodus con context, it sounds more like giving reverence or prioritizing the care and well-being of the parents, like in, in essentially being responsible for them as they age. That's kind of where that text points to. But in the Greek, the word is hupakuo, which is closer to listen or heed the instruction of your mm -hmm. parent, mm -hmm. right? So looking at the original languages, the understanding and understanding of the context in which they were written, it sounds more like not do as I say, not as I do the way that has been, you know, wielded in black church context. Right. Kind of the blind obedience, um, uh, the cultural understanding of a child staying in a child's place. Right. Thinking about it in the context of hubakuo or heeding the instruction of it's really more like, okay, I'm your parent and I've been around the block a few times. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to catch this lesson, right? Do the meat without the bones, right? Mm -hmm. It's more of like that versus, you know, do as I say, that, that you know, stay, stay in your lane, stay in your place. Um, and so for me, that's, that's more helpful when I'm thinking about renegotiating this relationship with my mom, you know, 
understanding that, yeah, she's, she's seen some things. She's seen a whole lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can also chew the meat and spit out the bones. I can also know that I have my own adult uh, understanding of the world. Um, but, you know, and, and my, my understanding can be enhanced by what she has to give, but not every, under, not every lesson that she has is going to be applicable to, to where I am. So, mm-hmm. and I think also thinking about uh, from a more world, worldly perspective, culturally and historically, mm-hmm. um, living intergenerationally, right, around the world is just life. Yeah. Think about Africa. Think about Asia. Think about, you know, South America. Right. Mm-hmm. Other places in the world living with your mom in the backyard or your dad, you know, down down the road a piece. That's that's normal. Yeah, and it's so, the expectation. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's part of the expectation. And there's so much richness to that. Um, and and it's it's also helpful as I am parenting to know that I'm not parenting my children by myself. Mm-hmm. I also have another set of hands and eyes and ears to help to help with that. Um, so I think, you know, United States, we all, you know, we all indiv- individualized in our society. There's so much, you know, me, mine, me and mine kind of in our ideologies that we don't take into account that there's so much we miss when we insist on being separate, you know, or having our own space where, you know, it's just me. Right. you know, my kids and what have you. <laughs> so I have a question for you, Ronnie, because mm-hmm. my sister is still at home with my mom and she has my niece there and my grandmother. And so that has been interesting in terms of parenting for her because mm-hmm. she has certain ideas about how mm-hmm. she wants to raise her child. Mm-hmm. And then my mom has her ideas of what she should be doing. And my mm-hmm. grandmother has ideas of what she should be doing. And so wow. <laughs> that becomes part of the issue, right? You know, my mm-hmm. grandmother will, you know, say to me sometimes, um, she's like, well, you know, I have some things that I think, but I'm gonna keep it to myself, you know, and you can hear all the shade in it, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know what she's thinking and what she wants to say. And, you know, I've experienced other people who lived in intergenerational households having the same issue uh-huh. because, you know, um, going back to your to the what you're talking about, like they have wisdom. Right. And so they feel like their wisdom because they've raised kids is the the truth. The truth, you yes. know, because yes. only truth, <laughs> right? Yes. And so, therefore, they're looking at you know a, their next generation parenting, and they're like, mm, "I would never mm. have done that. Mm-mm. I used yeah. to do this." And mm-hmm. you know, how yeah. have you navigated that aspect of of the boundary keeping with your mom? You know, and grandmothers just in general are so funny, right? Because they parent in one way and they grandparent in a different way, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yes. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. Yes. That's so true. (laughs) So how has that been in terms of negotiating the boundaries with that for you? So because it's still new in terms of her, you know, being on site with us, like right in the backyard, I'll, I'll take you back to a time when um, she wasn't living in the backyard, but she was uh, kind of pushing the boundary a bit when, um, my first baby was was 
uh, still on the bottle. He was a premature baby. So I was already walking around on eggshells anyway about him. Like, he is so fragile, but he really wasn't. You know, that was just me and the new mom phase. But eventually, you know, when it came time for um, us to um, put him to sleep at night, he was doing sleep training and all this stuff, um, you know, it was the whole rice in the bottle argument. You know, you got you got to put rice in the bottle so the baby be able to sleep eight hours, you know, da 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 So I learned then that she would have some different ideas about what it meant to parent, you know, that I was going to have to either take or leave. And I was willing to leave some things and learn for, my, for myself. Um, I wasn't scared to tell her, you know, well, I'm going to try it this way. And then, you know, if it doesn't work, then I'll go for that because my pediatrician said or, you know, I was reading about it and I found out that X, Y, Z, you know, or this is what his specific need is. Mm-hmm. So I, I figured that out pretty early on. Um, and it also helps that I'm the baby girl. I'm the, the last of her children, the last one to have children. So I saw my older siblings go through this with her. <laughs> already. So I already kind of knew what that would be like to to work on my boundaries with her with regard to parenting. And I think she already had an idea of how headstrong I am Mm -hmm. as well. And she knew, you know, hey, she she ain't gonna listen because that one right there that she thinks she know everything. (laughs) So yeah. And I just laugh at the fact that I feel like <laughs> that whole rice in the bottle, you know, cereal in the bottle yep. conversation is something that so many people listening to the podcast or watching it right now on YouTube can relate to because you have probably had an auntie, if not your mama, tell you about mm-hmm. putting the formula and, you know, the rice to get this baby down to sleep. My sister oh, yeah. has had it. She's had it from my older cousin. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she has had it. <laughs> She's had the conversation. My best friend had it with both of her kids and her mom. Like the first time didn't work, right? Like she didn't listen the first time, but she thought maybe the second time it was going to be <laughs> the one. So I just think that that conversation is hilarious. Like we can do an offering just off of. <laughs> right. That alone. Right. Mom hit me with the um, hard bottom shoes thing. Shoes thing oh, too. That's a big one. Yeah, because she's like, when are you going to put that baby in some hard-bottom shoes? I'm like, not never. <laughs> it was only ah, oh, walk. wow. I'm like, ma'am, he can walk in bare feet. Like, what? What? You know, mm-hmm. he needs hard shoes so he can walk right. Huh? <laughs> oh, it definitely well, old yeah. school. She's an old school mom. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it has been, um, it has been a road, you know. I mean, but 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 thankfully, my mom is not so set in her ways that she doesn't realize that, you know, hey, things have changed as far as parenting is concerned. Mm. Things have changed. People change, you know. And yes, she's a different grandparent than she's absolutely a different grandparent than she was a parent. Oh my God. That's another podcast episode right there. Right <laughs> there. Hello. So, so yeah. Yeah. So thinking about, um, the ways in which the church and culturally, you know, and historically, the passage that I, passages of scripture that I've mentioned before have been used like to discipline us and to keep us in a child's place. Um, one of the things that I, I probably did not read this until I was in Bible college in my like late twenties. Um, but I never, you know, I read Ephesians one through three, but I got down to, uh, if, I'm sorry, Ephesians six, one through three, but I got to Ephesians six and four, mm-hmm. which says, And fathers, 
Do right. not provoke your children to anger or, or wrath, depending on the version you read, mm -hmm. but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Can we just talk about the fact that nobody ever talks about the fact that parents have an obligation mm. not to provoke their children? Like, mm -hmm. drink on it. Yo, mm -hmm. I I got I got liberated the day I read that. I was like, I never, like yeah. nobody's ever preached that. I never until that point had never heard anybody preach on that. Yes, I was yeah. like, you know, for me, that was self discovered. <laughs> that was God, like God speaking to me and just said, here, read this text for yourself because I did grow up with that whole idea of honor your mother and your father, you know, like they drilled that down. And for me growing up in a household with an abusive father, I really needed to be free of that because mm. of the, the weight and the pressure that that put on me, right. Mm -hmm. To say that I'm somehow supposed to be honoring this man, honey, who don't honor me? You know what I mean? And so that for me was like a God affirming moment. I think God always knew Greta like you. I felt like God always allowed me to be a rebel when it came to the text mm -hmm. and my interpretation. And so mm -hmm. God was like, yep, look at this part right here. Look at mm -hmm. the whole mm -hmm. statement. Look at the negotiating that mm -hmm. happens between parent and child, right? Mm -hmm. So that the child and the parent are both involved in the work. Mm -hmm. And it's not just mm -hmm. the child who does everything, but it is both people coming together to do the work to have healthy relationships. Right. Because what happens when we focus on one and not on the other, you know, one that creates, what is it? Disbalance, imbalance, mm -hmm. unbalance. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, you're, you're right. It, it's one and the same working together. There's a togetherness there. And, and, and you're right. We don't hear about, parents not and, and i know it says fathers but come on we know it's patriarchy in the bible so right it's, it, but parents not provoking the children to wrath and and that's especially so when we get to the point where parents have to kind of come under our umbrella you know what i mean and, and so we get a lot of tension and pushback um and that's something we have to really kind of remember and, and, and I know my day is coming. I pause because I'm like, hold on, I'm, I'm gonna be, it's gonna be me one day. And you know, I'm like, oh, hold on, what am I about to say? What am I about to say? But seriously, she said, I don't want receipts out here. <laughs> I don't want this to come back and bite me. But, but seriously, even in looking for that to happen, you know, really, and especially if I'm going to be in his house, right? Um, you know, who knows how that's going to play out, mm -hmm. but I feel as though I will have to respect my son's house, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and that's not to say I'm gonna let him run over me. We ain't doing that, but still there has to be a level of respect there. If he's going to bring me into his house so that I can be taken care of. Mm -hmm. What is what what do they do that at? Well, you gonna bring me into the house and I'm a, I'm a, I'm a act of fool. <laughs> so you know, right? Yeah, we have to be careful with that. And can we talk about that? That whole idea of negotiating and renegotiating in the fact that when you're talking about bringing your parent into a household, that you're also talking about bringing them oftentimes into a household that you have established with somebody else. And you right. guys have exactly. already had to do the work to get yourself on yep. one page and one accord. And then now you're like, wait, what? Um, and so that is the fear of so many 
mother, um, should I say daughter-in-laws especially, mm. because they're mm. like, ooh, baby, you know, when you come into this house now, come on now, you're trying to tell me how right. I should cook, right. when mm. I should clean up, and mm. you're like, you know, oftentimes trying to put on me what you lived, and you're like, you're not my mama. I hate to tell you this. You are <laughs> not my mama. And you in my house. <laughs> right. Okay. And if my husband don't say nothing, my, my partner don't say nothing about it. Right. Why right. are we having this conversation? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That 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 I know uh, for a lot of people is a challenge. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, I can say... <laughs> I can say that, you know, my mom, I can, I have seen her eyebrows raise a few times when she has come into our house, but I think she already knows what's going on. You know, we have three teenage boys, so mm -hmm. we know this house is not going to be spotless mm -hmm. uh, ever <laughs> until they leave. <laughs> but yeah, that's a very real expectation that, that some parents have. Um, and I think also as, so, so, Greta, I'm going to take your stance for a moment, thinking down the road when my, my sons get to be older and it's my time for them mm -hmm. to take, you know, and to be taken care of. You know, I think part of respecting their households is understanding that I have poured into them. Mm. I have poured into them. I have mm -hmm. done all, you know, all that I know to do. I've done my right. best by them. And I have to trust the mm -hmm. ways they will run their households and their families. And, you know, that it will be, you know, it, it will be the environment that they need. Right. Um, you know, and so I, I would have to trust that. I know that might be hard because, you know, we, everybody got standards. Everybody got like, I ain't raised you like that. But <laughs> everybody has standards. And so I think that would be, a, while it might be a challenge, I think I would have to lay back on the fact that, you know, this is what I put into my child. Right. Right. And I know it's there somewhere. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. so, Absolutely. Right. Yeah. So when we talk about, you know, the whole, you know, not provoking our children um, to wrath, how do we navigate toxic parental relationships? Takesha, I know you talked a little bit about it, but how far do we go um, before, you know, cutting them off? Like how much renegotiating can we do before we have to say, you know what, you raised me and this is not benefit. This relationship is no longer serving me. It's doing more harm than good. Or, right. you know, having you um, at having this boundary is not working. You know, I have to now move further back. How do we go about doing that? Hmm. I feel like I have, I'm an expert in this now. <laughs> Real life has taught me. <laughs> but um, no, you know, for me, it, it was a very difficult um decision for my sister and I, and we, um, both, you know, do the process. Um, and so it's, it, it has not been an easy thing for me being the older one. I, um, spent years trying to make it work. You know what I mean? Like I felt like I, I consistently tried to be forgiving, be understanding, you know, and doing a whole back and forth, uh, dance. My sister is, um, 
definitely more hardcore than I am. She can give two Fs. Like when she cuts you off, she cuts you off. Like she don't care, don't feel no guilt, no nothing. She just mm-hmm. like, mm, he deserved it. You know, that is her her attitude about it. I think for me, it was um, definitely a more difficult process. Mm-hmm. But um, in terms of advice I would give to anybody who's trying to, because parental relationships, just like any relationship can be difficult. Right. Mm -hmm. And there's some things about your parents that you absolutely cannot like, you know, and you can be like, you know, I need to take a break, you know, like I need to go home now and breathe because of all that they didn't brought to this conversation. And there's that aspect of it, you know, Mm -hmm. where you can just do a lighthearted, I need to take, you know, I'm probably not going to call them for a week, you know, or, Ooh, I can't, I, I can't, you know, it's going to take that next family gathering for us to be able to, you know, I need all that time to recuperate. There's that. Mm-hmm. But then there is for me when it starts to mess with your mental well-being mm-hmm. or messes with your physical well-being, mm-hmm. you know, right. those were things to me that were not negotiable. Mm-hmm. My mm-hmm. mental health and my physical well-being were the straws that made me decide that it was okay to, you know, disengage from relationship with my, my with my father. That mm-hmm. it was for me that thing that said you no longer feel safe. You know, I mm-hmm. honestly never felt safe growing up, but mm-hmm. because of everybody telling you, like, you know, you got to honor your father, you got to love your father, mm-hmm. and people, you know, even questioning in my adulthood once I became a minister, like, how could you, you know, say that you love God and not forgive your father? And I'm like, it's not about forgiveness for me. Mm-hmm. I was like, honestly, at some point I forgave him and I did the work to forgive him and let it go. But that did not mean that I had to be in relationship with him because mm-hmm. that was too dangerous for me. I mm-hmm. had done too much work mm-hmm. to heal, to mm-hmm. cause myself to continually be hurt and have to do the work all over again. Right. Like it was just became a point where the cycle was just too much. Yeah. Like it was too much healing and getting good and then finding out that that person lets you down again. And mm-hmm. so at some point I just had to decide for myself, there's, there's no amount of relationship worth the pain mm. and the destruction it was causing. Mm-hmm. And what I'm hearing is you eventually came to a point where you chose yourself. You yes. chose your own well-being, your own good mental health and in your own safe space. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I went through a Boundary. season. Yeah. And that that's excellent. That's good. I, I went through a season. Um, in my early 20s uh, with my dad. And we were having some, some, some challenges. I'm just gonna say it like that. We were having some challenges. And I, at one point, did not think that I would ever um, get to, to a place where we would be cool again. Like, I, I was like, I, I'm good. You know, I'm just gonna stay over here. And yeah, I didn't speak to him for, for a few years. Um, other than, you know, the pleasantries, right? Mm-hmm. You know, whatever. Mm-hmm. I didn't refuse the check-ins or what have you, but yeah, I didn't really um, think that I would ever have a really good relationship with my father. Um, and so I, like Takesha, you know, doing the work, I did the work. Um, I think one of the things that freed me um, was this thing I heard Oprah say, just because they don't love you with just because they don't love you the way you need to be loved doesn't mean they don't love you with all that they have. Mm. And I was like, oh, okay. 
that means, you know, looking back through my childhood and, and all the ways I did not feel loved, it doesn't mean that I wasn't loved. It, it meant that he did not have what I needed or what mm -hmm. I desired. That means he probably was not given mm -hmm. the things that I needed, right? He didn't give it himself. So he couldn't give that to me. Right. So that thing freed me like, like I wouldn't, you know, it, I was really liberated by that. And that allowed me to do some work mm -hmm. around my relationship with him. And so eventually, you know, it took a whole lot of time, but um, like, I never thought that my dad would, would walk me down the aisle. Like I always thought I'd be, you know, just rolling down the aisle by myself. Like, it's cool. It's good. It's good. It's good. You know, he, he'd be in the audience, what have you. Mm -hmm. But by the time I got married, which was a significant time later, amen. Uh, <laughs> I, I was like, I can't imagine not having him walk me down the aisle. Mm -hmm. Then our relationship changed, you know, and, and even from there, when I became a mom myself mm -hmm. and he, I saw him as a grandparent and seeing him as a grandparent made me love him more as a parent. Like, I, I never thought that we would be going on va summer vacations together and he would be, you know, just this cuddly old granddad, you know, because he was never a cuddly dad, mm -hmm. you know. So I say all that to say is that for some of us, when the relationship may not be toxic, it may have moments that it's, it's toxic yeah. or less than healthy, that there are always, as long as you all are breathing, always opportunities for God to step in and to do something different, right? Always opportunities for us to allow God to do something different. Um, and, and to stay open, you know, is really a work, especially if you've been hurt, mm -hmm. you know, like, like I know I was at certain points in my childhood. For me, that was work to even to be able to stay open to the possibility of having a different relationship with my dad. But renegotiating that relationship has been one of the best things that I can say adulthood has brought me because I needed some perspective. I needed to grow up. I needed to, to, to figure out what my needs were in order to um, renegotiate that one. Mm -hmm. So that's all, all I'll right. say about that. Yeah. And I was like, just to add to your, your, your comment that your parent has to be willing to see themselves too mm. yes. and to do the work That's to change. True. They it's it's hard to do that when they're not willing to see themselves and change and do things. And sometimes right. change doesn't even show up a lot of times when we're talking about parents and black parents especially does not show up with a sorry <laughs> and it doesn't show up with a, a necessarily like a yeah i could have done better but mm -hmm. it shows up in the fact that they're just showing up differently than they did before yeah yeah oh and please hear me so for those of you listening i'm not gaslighting takisha at all i was that i was didn't know i didn't take it like that sis. no no i will i want you to i want our, li our listeners to know that was not gaslighting to Keisha. I was talking about my experience <laughs> because please, I know that there are, are all kinds of- Right, no, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> never, child never, never ever. But yeah, I want y'all to know, I want y'all to know, I was talking about strictly where, where that the lines, some lines have not been crossed, uh, where, where, you know, it is possible to, to get back. Yes. 
Mm. Yeah, I really was not taking it that way. I was just saying that that black parents sometimes don't show up as, as, in the fact that they actually say sorry. They just show up and, you know, like, because my mama is not a sorry person, honey. Yeah. She is not going to tell you she's sorry. <laughs> she's going to show up and she's going to act like if everything is okay. <laughs> she's going to be like, you want me to cook for you? You want me to make you breakfast? That is sorry. Okay. Okay. That is a sorry. I was wrong. Okay. <laughs> I think I've heard my mom apologize to me. Maybe twice. <laughs> That's about it. <laughs> yeah, those apologies. But I, but you know, I I would take a good meal uh, as an apology. I'm not I'm not close to that. Absolutely. <laughs> you want to cook? Uh, yes, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> and say you're forgiven. Right. So Renee, well. with the alone that line. So I don't want to call it perks, but are there times that you guys come home and mom has cooked and you know, tell, talk to us about that. Yes, yes. <laughs> she has one. She has absolutely wanted to cook. There have been times where she's like, "I, you know, I made something for you," and I'm like, "Huh? I didn't even wasn't even expecting anything." Oh wow! You know, she will just say, "Oh well, you know, if you go to the store, get me X, Y, Z," and then later on, that'll become a whole meal that I I didn't even know. Mm. So yeah, she does that. She is also willing to go pick up the kids, uh, okay. from, you know, from their various activities because she mm -hmm. still drives. Um, she is willing to watch them for long weekends. Woo! Like we went to Tahiti um, in June, and my my mom was like, "Okay, I got them," and I'm like, "Oh, <laughs> the blessing, the blessing, not the worry." Yeah, <laughs> awesome. Yeah, it's a totally a different life um, oh, having good. her having her there and you know the the trade-off is you know they take out the the, the garbage for her mm -hmm. you no know, and then they can be gone there talking back talking to her in the backyard for hours so they're out of my hair you mm -hmm. know for a little while so I love it oh it's good fun. good win-win yeah yeah we winning we're winning <laughs> <laughs> so for those of you who are listening who might be uh working through uh, renegotiating your relationship with your parents, or you are um, a young adult coming back home mm -hmm. and having to renegotiate with your parents now as an adult, there are some uh, tips that we can offer you from psychology today. So the first tip is speak to one another as adults. Now, this is hard because, you know, if you're Black... <laughs> Who you think you're talking to? Right. That's that. <laughs> And, and tone, tone makes a difference, y'all. Oh my gosh. Tone absolutely makes a difference. But you also have to, to come to the, the conversation understanding that you, you as an adult um, know how to respect someone. You know how to respect your elder. You know where your elder, your parent might be coming from. Right. So as, the, as an adult, speak to them like an adult, you know, and the respect typically can flow both ways. Mm -hmm. Second, take responsibility for the relationship. And that's really like a 1A. Take responsibility for the relationship, meaning that you are coming to this as an adult. You have your experiences, your baggage, or what have you. Take responsibility for that. Understand that the person may not see the issue like you see it, but you're willing to negotiate. Mm -hmm. The third thing is... Um, Unhealthy conflict styles may, that, that were present in your childhood may mm -hmm. surface as an adult, right? Mm -hmm. So the silent treatment, mm -hmm. 
doing the passive aggressive moves, mm-hmm. you know, uh, raising your voice. Although, again, if you're black and, and you're a child that raise your voice to your parents, I don't know how you're listening to this podcast right now. <laughs> well, Keisha said, I like my teeth. <laughs> God bless you, you made it. <laughs> I don't even know. Or um, ignoring issues or even guilt trips, right? Mm -hmm. Some of those things that you might have practiced or your parents might have practiced in your childhood can follow you into your adult parent-child relationship. So you're going to have to do the work to let go of those destructive patterns, identify first, and then let go of those patterns. That goes for the the, the adult uh, child and the parent, right? And lastly, respect one another's boundaries. And boundaries go both ways, right? Your parent might feel some resentment uh, uh, towards you if you're violating their boundary, just like you, you know, same way. You might feel resentment toward them uh, for violating yours. So you got to decide what level of privacy that you need in your life, what level of involvement you, you want from your parent, um, in your life. And, you know, that may extend from your personal relationships, your romantic relationships, your career, how you do in life, right? There's a lot of ways in which you have to think about your boundaries uh, when you have a parent who is in your household or you are an adult child in your parents' household. Mm -hmm. So setting expectations will be key even having those conversations before you move back home or before moving your parent in, those those are going to be important. And uh, like I heard Greta say, bathing those conversations in prayer beforehand Mm. is really where it's at, right? Asking God to help show you how to best honor your parent or how to communicate to your adult child how you'd like to be honored, right? Is going to be important to maintaining or creating and maintaining a healthy relationship and maintaining healthy boundaries, right? That's going to be so, so, so critical. So before we wrap up, I just want to toss it back to my co-hosts and just ask, so what are your final reflections on setting boundaries with your elders or parents? What are some things that you can offer to folks? I'll say for me, don't be afraid to have a conversation. Um, We know that as our parents age, there are conversations that have to take place, whether it's end of life, whether it's renegotiating uh, living conditions or whatever the case may be. But you have to have those conversations. And like you just pointed out, you know, pray, 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 pray Um, and and ask God for guidance um, as to how to say what needs to be said. So that when you do have a conversation, it, it can go as smoothly as possible. And so, but don't be afraid to have a conversation. They, ha- they have to take place. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing that I can say with my mom and I renegotiating and negotiating our um, relationship within our different phases has been love. Mm-hmm. And just remembering, you know, at the end of the day, how much you love each other, I think smooths over so many difficult, you know, conversations, so many difficult moments is centering love and Mm -hmm. trusting that they love you and you recognizing that you love them. I think that that 
can go worlds into having these conversations if we center love. Look, I feel like a preacher right now, right, y'all? No, center love. <laughs> That's the plate. Right. Pass the plate. All right, saints and friends. So... That's it for today's episode. We want to invite you all to follow us on social media, engage with us. We want to talk to you and get to know you. Uh, we drop our question of the day on our social medias on Thursdays. So uh, we invite you to answer the question, respond to that, and engage with one another in the comments, right? We want you to come back next time for more Righteous, Ratchet, and Real. Peace. Bye, everyone. Bye.